Memory's broken, the truth goes unspoken I've even forgotten my name I don't know the season, or what is the reason I'm standing here holding my blade Hey everybody, this is the Cyberpunk Monk, your favorite neighborhood disc jockey. What's a disc? Hell if I know, but I'm going to keep on talking anyways. This is the Reaton Entertainment Podcast. This is episode 418 for September 17th, 2023. Uh, Aro is here. Say hello, Aro. It's me. I'm here. And if you were interested in finding any of our relevant social media links, you could go to aroa.website, which will redirect you somewhere else. Hooray. Uh, one of those links I want to draw your attention to is Clinton Score Classics, Rise of the Rune Lords First Edition Actual Play Podcast. And I worked really hard on it, and it's all done. You can listen to it from start to finish now. But if fantasy role-playing games isn't really your thing, well, good news. You could also listen to Clinton's... No. You could also listen to Bug City Blues, a Shadowrun 6th World Edition Actual Play Podcast, which I just released the third episode of a couple days ago. Slow and steady. This one has a lot more editing required. It, uh, it's you gotta you gotta put your effort in somewhere, and it's not gonna be on this one. Not gonna be on this one, no. And I I should warn you, listener, this episode's gonna be very front loaded. We're gonna get into the stories, and it's gonna be like, yeah, and you've already heard about this all week. Moving on. But before we get to that point, did you have any games you wanted to talk about playing this week? Uh, did I? Did I want to talk about anything? You don't have to if you don't want to. I'm thinking. Nope. Yeah, I've been on I've been on vacation all week. And yet in spite of that, uh haven't played anything besides Baldur's Gate. And even then I haven't played it as much as I would have uh would have thought that I would have. But Mike. Case I will move on to the games that I played this week, which is also not a lot of gameplay. No, that's not true. I played a whole bunch of games. I played a little bit of Battlefield 2042. I played a little bit of Warhammer Dark Tide. I said this last week. I feel like I've been playing those more because they're installed rather than that I actually want to play them. Clicking on heads. Kind of bored of it. Been saying that for like half a year now. And then for my Steam Deck games, I haven't been playing Mad Max lately. I on a whim downloaded Grand Theft Auto V. It runs phenomenally well on Steam Deck. Red Dead Redemption so. 2, it ran pretty well. It, it was it was okay. It, it was playable. Grand Theft Auto 5, though, is, like, I, I'm not going to say flawless. I've had a couple of issues, but it's a pretty damn good experience. And right. it's, a good, it's a good portable game in that I, I could play it either 15 minutes before bed or I could play it in a server room while I'm waiting for something to finish downloading. It's, it's good. If you got a Steam Deck, I recommend it. Yeah, considering it originally came out on the 360 360, PS3. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hear ya. I hear ya. It's still fun. I probably won't end up finishing it. Like, I'm just scratching that itch to dick around and have fun in the sandbox. Yeah. And I'll, I'll eventually move on to the the next thing. I just picked up Like a Dragon, the, the Yakuza game. The, the one that's not really like any other Yakuza games because it was like 12 bucks on Steam. I'll probably play that next. I hear great things about it. If you like turn-based combat. I I do. Uh, and then I've done a whole bunch of painting this week. 
that you could go on our Discord and check out if one were so inclined. Uh, I meant to get a game in this week, but people ended up not being available, and that, that gave me the big sad. And with that, I, I, we can move on. Unless there was anything else you wanted to talk about. Uh, well, I opened Steam because you mentioned that being on sale. And it just, uh, it just became apparent to me that we are almost at the point where, uh, actual Madden 25 is going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember or paid attention, um, but years ago, I want to say it was like around the Wii U time period. Uh, the it, it was the 25th Madden game. For some reason, EA decided to call it Madden 25. But, but now we're almost to where the yearly version of Madden for 2025 is going to come out. They'll what just call they... it Madden 2025 too. Or will they call it Madden 50? <laughs> I don't think you don't treat it like a factorial in that case. <laughs> and then and then in 2050, assuming society still exists, they'll have to like they'll have to call that one Madden 75. Now Aroa, I will say their target audience probably doesn't know how to actually do math. So you probably don't need to worry about it. <laughs> they'll just, they'll, yeah, you're right. They'll just call it Madden 25. There are enough other games that just don't care about what the numbers mean, like Mortal Kombat 1. Or uh, all of Xbox's naming. Yeah. Fiasco. Xbox, I'm, I'm going to call it a fiasco. It's a disaster. Xbox One, Xbox Series Sex. Anyway. uh. I guess we can talk about the stuff that happened this week, if you want to. And we can bring it up. I guarantee you, you listener, you've already heard what we're going to talk about. But do you know about the, the Unity engine? It's uh, pretty popular. Oh, yeah. It was pretty popular. I don't know about it anymore, <laughs> but at a time, it was pretty popular. Yeah, I think VRChat uses it. Uh-oh. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of ways that game developers have been affected by this change. But they have gone and decided, uh, of this last Tuesday, that they are going to implement a new fee structure for their engine installs. Uh, basically, something that I've never actually heard of is this is going to be a per-install pricing, which has really enraged the gaming development community. It is such a fascinatingly offensive and and hostile way of doing fees for your game engine or or for your product in general honestly it feels to me like you are holding somebody's product hostage doing something like this yeah like it, they I, i've been I've been listening to a lot of developers talking about this because like, obviously as somebody that hasn't really gone into any of this myself uh, and, and the business of game development, while I try to be knowledgeable about it without living that, like I'm not, I'm not going to have all the context there. 
so so I've been trying to listen to that side of things and like it it's not just a matter of like this is going to cut into what money developers can make but this will actually destroy some developers if they reach a certain level of notoriety without reaching like in insane degrees of, of notoriety mm -hmm. i'm a little indie studio it's me and my friend we made this game and we sold it for 3.99 uh-oh we got a million downloads we are financially fucked uh like um what uh vampire survivors vampire survivors would be very much damaged will be very much damaged by this especially with their recent decision to move to unity yeah probably uh, regretting that one and it's not like this is something they were foreshadowing or anything they just kind of said hey by the way uh get fucked yeah the way that they dropped this was was ridiculous so i guess we should explain what this is so basically uh unity send out a notification to all of their their subscribers as well as as posting a tweet because of course that uh they're going to be changing the way that they charge for the use of the unity engine uh whereas right now you can potentially just use the engine for free with no no charge whatsoever uh no royalties no, they don't cut into like any of your revenue nothing uh as long as your game made less than a hundred thousand dollars i do think that they both put a watermark and ads in your product if you do that but they, if, they put if it's a, you and your friend who cares they they do they do put a splash screen um at the at the front of the game but that's it that's acceptable uh, yeah like it's fine um and then there was also a uh unity plus a uh, thing where that would bump up the amount of money that you could make and that no longer exists so i don't know what the limits on that uh was but it was it was something where you got some of the extra features uh like their their ai platform uh, and access to like their ads platform and stuff like that via paying for unity plus and it it costs substantially less than the next step up which was unity pro where um you paid something like uh looks like it's 75 dollars a month or uh fifteen hundred dollars just overall and then you got access to like analytics and uh asset store discounts and stuff like that and you had uh more collaboration features it's for professionals it's for people running a small dev studio uh and then you had unity enterprise where i mean it's enterprise licensing so lots of lots of different things can happen there your nintendo um, publishing house is going to use this one right and all of all of those are affected by this new change um, like I said, Unity Plus 
is going away. They are not going to terminate current Unity Plus subscriptions. However, they're not going to offer that as a thing anymore. You either don't pay for Unity up front by using Unity Personal, or you pay for Unity Pro, which for a lot of individual developers, that's going to be too much money. Uh, so that sucks. But then on top of that, uh, if you are a Unity Personal or Plus uh, developer, then you have a threshold of $200,000 and an installation threshold of 200,000 installs. And that already just seems like an arbitrary amount, but we'll get there. Uh, and then Unity Pro and Enterprise, you get $1 million revenue and 1 million installations before you get introduced to the new runtime fee, uh, which is a fee that they are charging and justifying based on the fact that every time somebody installs a Unity game, they have to install the Unity runtime, which I looked through Unity's documentation. There is nothing specifying what the fuck the Unity runtime actually is. Uh, my best guess is that it is referring to the way that Unity sort of works like uh, like Java. Where it's probably almost certainly C sharp. I would expect it to be like overloaded wrappers and headers, things yeah. that allow you to use like functions. Whether you're on a Xbox or a PlayStation, like you will send the instruction, and then the interpreter will determine what is the right call to make at that time. That sort of thing is probably what they're charging you the privilege of access for. I I am guessing that that's yeah that is what that is. It's it's all of the the little things that they have abstracted so that you can use either uh unity script or c sharp to interact with without uh having to know all of the various ins and outs of the unity engine um and yeah i'll get into why i think that's fucking stupid in a minute but uh essentially that that this all boils down to uh if you are on a unity personal or plus plan uh once you hit those thresholds you are paying 20 cents per install of the game and while they have tried to clarify at the time that they posted this there was no clarification on what install actually means um so that was a little disturbing uh and yeah, it's, it is a flat 20 cents per install. So you're essentially being charged for being successful. Uh, once you hit that, it, like say you're charging a dollar per download of your game. Like once you do that and once you hit 200,000 sales, that's it. Now you've suddenly lost, uh, what, 10%, 20%. You've lost 20% of all your revenue because you dared to make $200,000. Uh, meanwhile, with Pro, there are discounts on this fee, but it is still there. 
Um, it starts out at 15 cents per install. And then the more installs you get, the cheaper it gets, uh, slowly going down to two cents per install. Uh, once you hit the million install mark. Uh, Which puts this really weird overlay. Like, if I only downloaded 90,000 installs and my buddy downloaded, uh, his game downloaded like 10,002, suddenly I'm paying way more than my friend is because my game wasn't as successful. That doesn't make any fucking sense. No, no, no. It, it's like... It, Sorry it's, to steal your thunder. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what you wanted to say, basically. Well, uh, it, it's... Yeah, like, it, it's it's just... Poorly Remar thought out. It, it's remarkable to me that this massive company decided that we're going to punish people for doing or for, for making a successful product. And not so much from like a money grubbing perspective, because like how else would you want to do it if you're doing this purely to make as much money as possible? Obviously, you want to target the the biggest revenue acquirers, such as uh, Niantic and Nintendo, who are a couple of the, the biggest Unity users that, that I can think of. Uh, Blizzard as well with Hearthstone. Uh, lots of, of really big name games use Unity under the hood. Um, I think it's pretty popular in the mobile market, too. I don't know. Oh, it's, like, it, it's ridiculously popular I, in the mobile market, I, I, which... Because it's pretty easy to set up a game and be like, all right, and here's the vending machine mechanic. It's a, it's a slot machine. Make me money. Exactly. And and also Unity has an entire ad platform built around the mobile market. Uh, and that is probably what motivated this in the first place. Because, like I said, they, they specified what, <clears throat> what an install actually means. Uh, but... I'll get to that. I, it, I just want to raise the point that like, how often do we hear, and yes, I'm, I'm going to make this marginally political. How often do we hear from right-wing groups, but really just like politicians that, that bow to corporate America in general, that like, we shouldn't be punishing people for being successful. And that's why they don't want tiered tax programs where, rich people have to pay more and like, yeah, it, why, why would they want to pay more? And yet here is a gigantic corporation doing this exact thing because they can get away with it. Or at least they feel like they can. Yeah. I it, think somebody gambled on that decision. <laughs> well, um, so yeah, it, uh, I'm, I'm, my brain's getting all over the place, but, uh, yeah. I think being flustered hearing this news is the appropriate response. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, not just that they're doing this, but also that they're, they're just doing it out of nowhere and, and just saying, here you go. This is, this is how it's going to go. Uh, Deal with it. yeah. Especially with there already being such a massive projects, uh, like Pokemon Go, uh, Pokemon, uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, uh, Pokemon, I, I want to say 
Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu were also on Unity. Uh, like I said, right. Nobody's going to download those games anyways. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and the worst thing is that post uh, January 1st, like under this licensing, even if they get more sales of those games, they're going to have to pay for for installs of them. They're they're they have said, I believe, that they are not retroactively applying this. So you're not going to have to pay for all of the installs that you've already managed to get. But, but any new ones. yeah, any new ones and and like this is what I was going to get to. Uh, so they they. They specified what an install means, and that is that their, their supposed intent is for that to refer to a new install on a new device. So essentially the first time that you install the product on a device. Uh, so reinstalling a game on your PC should not count against the developer as a new install uh however if you install a game on a new phone then that counts as a new install or like if you install it once on your iphone and once on your ipad those both count as separate installs i have so many questions that branch from this is it based by i don't know your your operating system's address is it based off of the the disc that it's installed on Oh, if I move it from one disk to another, is that going to impact it? Is you want to know that a file was made? Is it checking a, a unique serial number? So you want to know how they're going to protect developers from malicious actors, huh? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, uh, well, you see, they've got uh, a proprietary model that they think should be able to do that job. I feel like I'm not going to trust them. <laughs> What do you mean? You just, if you suspect that there's something weird going on, let them know. Okay? Then yeah, it's fine. Everything will be fine. And if I was Unity and I had, I, they have like 7,000 employees or something like that. It's something crazy. I would, A, fire some of those employees. That's, it sounds like you're too big for your britches in this case. I would get a couple of interns, get like, uh, a farm of computers where you could easily spoof whatever it is. If it's a, a what, what what are they using? A MAC address? Serial number? I, I don't know. <laughs> whatever that is, I would spoof it, download it, uninstall it, spoof a new one, and that's your day. You'd eventually automate it, but hey, give the intern something to do or something. And at the end of the month, it's like, hey, it looks like your game was downloaded 10,000 times. Uh, pay up. That is exactly what people are worried about. Because, see, the, Unity's own FAQ says that it, it, it literally implies they don't really know for sure how they're going to track it. It, it straight up said, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to find the quote because it's, I, I was blown away by how they just did not seem to really know what they were doing. Big grift uh, energy. Yeah. Uh, here, um, so we will refine how we collect install data over time with a goal of accurately understanding the number of times the Unity runtime is distributed. Any install data 
will be collected in accordance with our privacy policy and applicable privacy laws. And there's a question, is collecting the data GDPR and CCPA compliant? Um, we hope is, so. <laughs> yeah, it's privacy shit. Uh, the method we're using to calculate installs is currently derived from aggregating data from various sources collected in compliance with all privacy laws and used to build a confidence around our estimate. If anything changes, we'll provide you with notice and compliance mechanisms to, to assure all parties remain in compliance with applicable laws. Don't uh, worry, bro. We got it, bro. Just trust us, bro. So they... Yeah, here, how is Unity collecting the number of installs? We leverage our own proprietary data model and will provide estimates of the number of times the runtime is distributed for a given project. This estimate will cover an invoice for all platforms. They don't, they don't really have an answer. And um, I will say they they have changed this uh, this FAQ since I originally looked at it. Initially, it said that they were they were using the same tech that they used to uh, prevent advertising fraud. Uh, so like if a developer has Unity ads in their game, they have software there to make sure that they don't have like a farm of devices that are all sitting there looking at and clicking on ads all day long. Uh, so they, they said that they were going to try to leverage that technology and hopefully figure out a way to make that work. In other words, they don't have a real plan. Somebody put out an ultimatum saying, we need to make more money. We figured out that this is the best way for us to make a lot more money. Make this work. And that is that is what now all the developers that have used Unity for the last 10 years or so, that's what they're going to have to deal with. Is Unity publicly traded? Let, let me just let me just peek at their stock price. They they are. Um so that's actually something that not as bad as I thought it'd be. What the fuck? Right? That's the weird thing. So that this is this is what people have brought up is that Unity once they start once they put out their IPO, that's whenever they started making a ton of really fucking stupid, really anti-user, anti-consumer policies. And on top investors of investors are like, we fucking love that. Yeah. On top of that, uh just before they announced this whole thing. Uh, several people within the company sold a bunch of shares. A couple of, mm. of big shareholders dumped all of their shares of Unity. And then they came out with this announcement. So, no, like, illegal? Yeah. Like, I don't entirely understand the definition of insider, insider trading, but that sure does sound like insider trading to me. So, um, yeah. There, there's a lot of a uh, lot of shifty shit going on here, and the people who are ultimately going to suffer are those who have relied on this engine for the better part of a decade, uh, who are now 
looking at getting shafted. Uh, there are some other elements that I am not familiar enough with yet to uh, go into detail on, but it seems like there's some evidence that this may be being done partially in retaliation to a rival mobile platform uh, or mobile ad platform that essentially was trying to compete with unity uh tried to set up a deal to get bought by unity and then a rival company to them ended up giving a better offer to unity and so unity bought them and now unity is trying to push that original platform out of the mobile space uh i don't think this is the way to accomplish that (laughs) sorry go on (laughs) There are some incentives for developers who are putting uh, elements of the the Unity ad platform into their applications uh, where they would not have to or may get a discount on the runtime fee if they use Unity's specific uh, components. So it it is... I, I had questioned whether or not this was going to lead to something like a like a unity game store uh whenever this Mm. first came out where how the the epic game store the one of their big selling points is you don't have to pay for the uh unreal game engine if you publish your game on the epic game store and, and like all all of your sales through the epic game store those are those are free in terms of royalties for the unreal engine um so i wondered if installs that come from the unity game store client then would not carry the the install fee but with them targeting mobile so hard it makes more sense than that they want to have everyone implement their ad platform into their mobile games. So, and, and they're going to offer either a discount or, or just make the runtime fee free for everyone that's using that platform. I think and, you basically were, are at least starting to describe what I think it'd be a, a better case scenario or a, at least something that's feasible. Like this isn't feasible the way it is right now. Why didn't they do a separate, runtime licensing for specifically targeting mobile devices it seems like it would be such a wildly different environment that they could get away with that and yeah i guess if it's a mobile game you can get away with something like this you're gonna have thousands of downloads on someone every time they get a new iphone that it just seems weird that they would destroy everybody everybody like anybody whether you're a console developer or a mobile developer you're you're making games just for PC or whatever, VR experiences, messing around with web plugins. Every single person is going to be affected by this in some way. Mostly is, that people just aren't going to be using it. It is utterly bizarre that they have chosen to very much throw out the baby with the bathwater on this. Because, but yeah, like it makes complete sense that they want to make more money off of the mobile segment because that's where all of the most profitable games are. And a lot of times 
it's going to either be the ad platform or in-app purchases that are going to make money for those developers. And Unity doesn't have a way of making money off in-app purchases. So all they can do is just push people to use their ad platform. Like, I, I, I get that. But why ruin all of this goodwill and destroy so many other developers on top of it? I, I don't really get it. They had to have done some kind of business math on, on their end and determined that they don't care about, uh, supposedly it's something like 80% of the unity user base never pays for unity. Uh, but it's like, so what, right? Like my whole feeling on, on that, uh, is it doesn't matter whether or not they're paying for unity because it's not like the whole time that unity is running somehow that's costing unity corporate money. Yeah. They, the only thing that unity is that unity costs money for is that initial download and for like storing all of the, the editor binaries like you're, you're paying for bandwidth, but at the same time, you're, you're having, you're, you're fostering a community of developers who are all working together to build up your platform. Like one of the biggest reasons that unity is what it is, is because of the developer community building tools and plugins and a culture of like YouTube tutorials and building platforms on top of Unity, a la uh, VRChat. Like, th there's all of this, and Unity Corporate just sees zero value in any of that. And instead, they, they just want the super profitable mobile segment and, like, that top, maybe, I would guess, like, 5% of desktop developers building on unity that sell like a fuckload of copies like and and everyone else can just deal with it Fig yeah, figure out how you're going to survive <laughs> not their problem yeah it's it's awful and disgusting know what i do think is their problem though and you know follow me if you're smelling the same bad smell that i smell it's that Nintendo makes games with Unity, and I'm sure Disney probably also makes games with Unity. I, I don't play any Disney games, I don't know. But, like, these people have very powerful lawyers. <laughs> what happens at the, uh, what happens on January 1st when Unity's like, hey, uh, money please. I feel like, mm, it's gonna be interesting. I feel like we have not heard the last of this. No, and, uh... There is there is the question of is it necessarily legal for Unity to suddenly say the deal has changed and just make everyone deal with it? It probably is, to be honest. But yeah, you totally agreed that we could do this in our terms of service. Yeah. But I I do wonder what's going to happen when all the lawyers hear about this and the companies go, All right, lawyers that we have on retainer. 
uh make it so that we don't have to lose like 200 million dollars at the end of the year <laughs> like that's uh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see all of the responses from the from the big names so it sounds like we generally have our response of this which is you know fuck unity uh it seems like the general public outcourse of this is fuck unity and like I said, you've already heard this story from 20 different news outlets, I'm sure. But no, what you might not have heard is how some of these developers are responding in kind to this ultimatum. For example, we have the developers of Cult of the Lamb, who are saying that unless this change gets reverted, he's just going to delete Cult of the Lamb. And that yeah. really sucks. Yeah. Uh, and this is another odd situation to me because say that they do just kill off cult of the lamb right they stop selling new copies of it what happens with all the people who are still going to have access to that game post delisting because even if you delist a game it doesn't remove it from your uh library yeah from your library I had a similar question, which is, what if you delist it, but the market doesn't deal... Like, if I'm selling my game on Steam and Amazon and uh, fucking uh, uh, Epic Store, and I delist it, but one of those stores doesn't actually take it away, am I stuck holding the bill? and, And even, like, worst case scenario, you go bankrupt, right? Like, who's who's paying that fee? Once your company no longer exists, but your game is still on, like, it's not for sale on Steam, but I can still download it from my Steam library. I like, send I, Pinkertons I, after your ass. <laughs> like, yeah, is that is that how that, that's going to work? Like, are they just going to hunt you down? Like, Or, or are they going to bill Steam for it? Uh, this article mm-hmm. seems to imply that Unity at some point said that uh in the case of like game pass they would be charging microsoft for the runtime fee for all the downloads of that which i'm sure microsoft is going to really be okay with that yeah they're gonna they're gonna get in the same line that the nintendo and the disney lawyers are in yeah but uh yeah meanwhile uh massive monster the developer of cult of the lamb has said that uh yeah we we really just can't fathom uh why we would do this like why would we want to pay this fee why would we be okay with that we wouldn't be uh like we all specialize in unity games so what fuck are we gonna do and i know firsthand just because the city that I went to university at has so many game programmers that a lot of people learned how to use Unity because, like, that was their first intern. that Like, their internship, that's what they used. So that's what they learned. So that's what they based their entire foundation on. Well, and get fucked. Yeah, it, like, like, that was why I mentioned so much that, like, people have been using Unity for the better part of 10 years in a lot of cases. Like, it... it was the first major accessible game engine 
that just said, yeah, download our product, learn how to use it, release your game. As long as you don't make more than a hundred thousand dollars, which like your first couple projects probably won't like, it's cool. Whatever. We just want people to use our product and tell other people that it's a great platform. And eventually the bigger folks will catch on or like somebody will get lucky. You'll have an among us or something. Uh, which that's something that, uh, unity pointed out specifically was like, I mean, yeah, this would bankrupt the among us developers, but how often does a game like among us come out? Like that's a, that's a once in a lifetime sort of, sort of viral hit. Okay. So we're, fuck them. It's fine. Whatever. Never happen again anyway. Um, it just—it seems like we're seeing the death of a company here. And not only the developers, but like the the people who write the Unity runtime. I yeah. wonder, because it's all based off C sharp. I wonder what's gonna be forked off this next. Like, if people are gonna joke, what is um, Amazon made a gaming engine? It's like Lumberyard or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. I wonder if this is going to cause engines like that. Because I know for a fact, just from being on X, that people are, like, making forums to help people adjust from Unity to uh, Unreal, for example. A lot but, of a lot of people are pushing towards Godot. Yep, Godot is another one. Uh, I know the people who are making Rust 2 are like, yep, we are completely re-gutting the way that we are developing this. Yeah. Because of Unity. And that, uh, the, the initial thing we were talking about... Uh, Massive Monster, they they said in their statement, like, this change is going to cause delays, significant delays, because our team is going to have to require an entirely new skill set. Essentially saying, without outright saying it, we're not going to use Unity. Like, and that's the right call. Yeah. Like so, the, uh, adapt or die, I guess. Yeah. And, and like, really... I th I think that that's what Unity was was counting on was that all of the really big projects like Hearthstone, like Pokemon Go, uh, you they know, just that, eat the cost and not care. Yeah, it, it, and and they will do that because it's simply not feasible to switch engines that late in a product's life cycle. Like, there's so much that they probably have built into that game that simply cannot be adequately translated into another engine without years of development that like you're just stuck you're gonna have to pay for it or you're gonna you're gonna go bankrupt and uh i would imagine that niantic in particular the pokemon go people like they're super boned because all of their products probably use unity probably so like, uh, uh, and granted they haven't had a real success besides pokemon go but the new monster hunter game looks kind of cool so it you know maybe maybe they'll get there but like uh hearthstone as well like hearthstone uses unity on both desktop and mobile and there's no way that they're going to be able to just migrate everything over without putting in a ton of cost on learning either well learning realistically unreal like they're not going to switch to godot 
Unreal probably makes, especially because it's a uh, a cross-platform kind of environment. A that is going to really complicate. Like, if you were just switching your mobile card game from Unity to or uh, uh, yeah, Unity to Unreal, you know, whatever. Most of the assets are already done. You just have to like do the actual programming part. But if you also need that to communicate and play nice with somebody who's on a computer, hmm, that's that's a bit of that's a bit of a trick. And and on top of that, making all of the networking code work uh, across that because keep in mind too uh for the big boys that real their only real other choice is unreal you're switching from c sharp to c plus plus because unity is all c sharp and unreal is all c plus plus so like you're having just fundamental skill difference there there's an unfortunate part of that too. You could pretty easily go from C++ to C sharp and it's like, hey, extra bells and whistles, woohoo. Doesn't work the other way around though. No, there's a lot more abstraction that happens with C sharp that uh, C++ does not give you the uh, the convenience of. The backbone of my game was based off of event handlers? Mmm, I'm fucked, aren't I? <laughs> and, and I don't know how memory management works within Unreal, but... Considering it's C++, you're probably going to have to actually think about it instead of just going the garbage collector will handle it. So. Uh, you mean I got to be a good programmer? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> or uh... There's a reason that Unreal runs so well generally compared to Unity. Um, but it's also because it has a higher skill ceiling. Speaking of things not running so well, have you heard about Gearbox? Oh yeah, they uh, they use Unreal. I think they use Unreal. And now would be a good time to be investing in uh, a publishing house that focuses on Unreal, I think. On Unreal, I think. Words are hard. And that's good, because uh, supposedly Gearbox, be the, the team behind the Borderlands games, is going up for sale. Uh-oh. I, I get it. Have you played the Borderlands games at all? Uh, yeah, I played the shit out of one... Um, I played less of the shit out of two and I played three for a couple of hours and went, wow, they just didn't really make a good game. Did they? And they then didn't I... really try with three. And <laughs> I kind of felt the same with pre-sequel and I, I the, like the one was fantastic. And I think a big part of that is you just kind of had to be there. Everyone was playing at the same time. It was the talk of the town or the talk of the schoolyard at least. And then two came out and, it, the story was better. Like Handsome Jack, just as a character, is pretty phenomenal. And then pre-sequel, Tina's D&D, whatever, three, they all just kind of said, what if we did the same thing we did in two and didn't really innovate except for haha, penis joke? Yeah, they they really learned how to write one type of character and one form of humor and never got any further than that and it brings everything else down i'm trying to think of like anything else actually worthwhile of saying on here other than just how the mighty have fallen yeah well it, like i i hadn't really thought about gearbox in a while uh so whenever the story came out i was like oh wow that's surprise wait no i guess it's really not is it because <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, like, Borderlands 3, I feel like, was a uh, 
was was like a hail mary on gearbox's part like they had had mid to poor sales on like every game since borderlands 2 pretty much uh and they had that that weird like moba-esque thing that everyone kept comparing to overwatch whenever it really wasn't an overwatch like at all uh and that just fucking tanked immediately um it is yeah gearbox just uh just really had a a long string of fuck-ups so it's not entirely surprising to see them getting sold off uh i believe they are already yeah they are owned by embracer group as it is and we've mentioned embracer before they're essentially a massive gaming focused holdings company where they buy up studios that are failing and it seems they've established a sort of of mo of we're gonna let you put out something and see how it goes and if it's good then we'll keep you around and if it's not then we're gonna shut you down or sell you uh because they they did that with volition uh the saints row developers Mm -hmm. essentially they they bought volition uh and then they put out saints row just the 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 remake yeah, the the like remake, the reimagining, re, yeah, thing reboot, uh, and that did not go over well, and so now Volition is dead. Uh, they're pretty much doing that with with Gearbox. It would seem I don't know if they were owned by Embracer at the time that Borderlands Three came out. Um, it may just be a matter of Embracer has uh has determined that Gearbox doesn't have much hope and they're they're just gonna just gonna let them go uh they're they they bought uh crystal dynamics a little while ago those are the people that made tomb raider both the original Mm -hmm. and and the uh reboot versions and just in general they're they're having to close down shit uh because they were trying to either not get bought by but they were trying to enter a partnership with uh the, the, the there's a Saudi company that uh was they were trying to work with and and that deal fell through and they were out 2 billion dollars because of that Ooh, so, big deal yeah the saudis just uh love to buy u.s entertainment shit for some reason i don't really it's it's a pedigree thing from my understanding ah that makes sense so the uh, only other thing i could really think about is where would someone like gearbox go from here it's obvious the borderland at the franchise i'm gonna say franchise it's obvious the borderland franchise isn't selling that hot and why i don't know obviously space-based exploration games uh, shooters maybe more specifically are doing hot look at starfield for example uh no man's sky like it's not hard to find games that are sort of in the same genre but ones with teenage level butt jokes just don't seem to be what people want I where think, would gearbox go from here uh i think 
if anything, um, Gearbox itself uh, probably gets mostly gutted uh, if if and when it gets bought. The, the staff will get gutted. They'll, uh, whoever buys them will probably keep around some key talent, but otherwise everyone else goes and whoever buys them then reuses some of Gearbox's IP and moves it in a different direction. So whether that's a, a Borderlands reboot or or something else that Gearbox has, I'm sure that they have some properties that I can't think of. Uh, they They just turn that into something different. Yet another uh, Tiny Tina's game. <laughs> I I get the feeling, and this isn't exactly like directly related, but I get the feeling that we're starting to move into another like 90s sort of era in terms of media. Like I, I think 90s and like early 2000s where people are, are mostly depressed and angsty and not really in the mood for a bright, colorful, happy time sort of thing. They want something that's more cynical and more dark. And I think we're going to see media moving that direction. And I, I get that feeling because of how much people are are sick of like the quippy hero bullshit that yeah, uh, a lot fair. of games seem fair. to be. A lot of games seem to be trying to trying to have the that sort of almost like uh, mascot sort of of quippy hero thing. It, like they're all trying to emulate Marvel hero stuff, and I, I just think people are sick of that. So I, yeah, I think media is. I think media in general is going to jump in the opposite direction, and they want their people are going to be more attracted to to the grit again which kind of talking on talking on media as a whole and i promise i'm going somewhere with this but i think people are finally starting to get a little exhaustive of everything being a self-contained multiverse and you even mentioned the 90s being a return and i'm so glad you did because i was thinking about this specific story and like it may be this one and the one that i'm segueing to and what i wanted to say with it and that's that people have done this successfully and people have done this not successfully. This being the, the, the shared IP multiverse, whatever you want to call it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like this is what Nickelodeon and to a lesser extent, the cartoon network. Uh, I had another example that's not coming to me like smash brothers. These are some good examples of when I just think about them, they, they blend together. Well, people know about them and celebrate their successes with how they blend well. And then you have companies like, oh, hey, look, there's an article about Ubisoft's X Defiant being delayed. That's one of these attempts. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, it's funny, I said Nickelodeon. They had that Smash Brothers ripoff game that just came out that I, I think the first one didn't do too well, and now they're making a second one, if I recall correctly. They are making a second one that actually has a budget behind it and hopefully will actually be good. I'm rooting for it. Like, this is sort of my thing, but... I just keep on seeing more and more they're not doing too well. And I wonder if that's because the audience, the, the 
people consuming this media are just sick and fed up with it. I, I think that uh, because of the nature of interactive social media, um, that people are just becoming more uh, media literate in general. Like even even like Zoomers and we're getting even beyond Zoomers now, but Zoomers are, are very much aware of what they're watching and aware of when they're being pandered to and whenever they're watching something that's completely throwaway. And I think that just standard standards in general are going a little higher now because of that. I think that's why Borderlands 3 and just a lot a lot of that sort of juvenile writing is tiresome for for consumers is because they're they're just sick of feeling like they're being treated like children. You know when South Park does that, they also I'm not going to say they respect their viewers cuz let's let's be honest they don't. But they'll at least have a moral or like a point you can you can tell that there is some kind of thought behind the the childish humor. That and it's not just somebody doing a line of coke and saying, "Hey, we have these IPs, smash them together, make it work." I don't know. Yeah, not like with X Defiant, where it's it's just Ubisoft going, "Hey, uh, what if we make a shooter with all of the people?" Yeah, money. This. And, and what they're hoping for is suckers like me who will see a Splinter Cell on the cover will go, oh, hey, look, a Sam Fisher, bye. And yeah. it's, like you said, it's just not going to be enough anymore. No. You get that, that factor of appeasing to the lowest common denominator of your, your target audience when you include a little bit of everything for everyone. But on the other hand, it sort of spoils the whole recipe by doing that. It makes everything feel cheap and phoned in. Like like you said, uh, a Hail Mary earlier. What's one step less than a Hail Mary? That's what it feels like. <laughs> it's... A yeah, low-effort Hail Mary. <laughs> it's particularly bad with a lot of Ubisoft's properties. And I'm, I'm assuming that the, it might be part of why it's being delayed. Uh... So that which is bad. Well, that, that, that could be that, but it's it's just that like with a lot of Ubisoft properties, they they have certainly developed a formula where you have certain characters that are very standout, um, and and then everyone else is just kind of whatever. And yet, for some reason, with this X Defiant game, they didn't include any of the characters that people give a shit about. Instead, they just have all of these random, in some cases, literally faceless characters that no one would possibly recognize because they're not, they're not even characters. Like they, they just went, you'll recognize this faction from this game. And, and we're, we'll just include all of them in this hero shooter thing because look how successful overwatch was people like main character heroes 
the joke it, is that Overwatch wasn't very successful after all. Well, there were a lot of reasons for that, but also that, like, it would be different if it was like, you you can be Sam Fisher versus Voss versus, I don't know, uh, the, the guy from Watch Dogs. <laughs> like, it, you, you could do that, but they didn't. Instead, it's, you can be a guy wearing a Sam Fisher costume versus a guy in a Hawaiian shirt with a gun versus a girl wearing a beanie and has a cell phone and she's a hacker. That... Oh, and this time the map is the Far Cry Island. <laughs> like... oh, now, now it's the Splinter Cell Island. You know, you know how people are keep saying like, uh, eventually we're going to have games that are just made by AI. Like you just ask an AI to make a game and it'll pump one out. This it, is the experience I want today. Chop, chop. <laughs> like, I think that's what, <laughs> that's what this is. Somebody went to chat GPT and said, what, what's a game we can make that incorporates all of our properties? Here are the names of our properties. Oh, how do we make a game? And then chat GPT was like, what if you make a shooter and every character is sort of from each game and they were like okay make a game now uh, like i don't know I, I don't i don't know how this uh, this wasn't just canceled behind closed doors i wouldn't be surprised and it's gonna do that same thing that the final fantasy 7 mobile moba did where they released it and like a week later they just immediately said nah it's not worth keeping the servers on I would not be all that surprised. Uh, like, it's it's a damn good thing that Ubisoft has Assassin's Creed, which appears to be strangely missing from this game's marketing. There's, they're, I guess they're not putting Assassin's Creed characters in here. Which they don't match. have guns very often, right. so... You'd need to have, like, a crossbow or something like that, which... <laughs> there, done, I solved your problem. Put your it, successful it, IPs right up front. <laughs> Have but, Ezio back-to-back -back with Sam Fisher, and then I, I'll explode thinking about it. I exploded. Aroa, you gotta finish. Uh, if if we just... You just put... At least put the characters that people care about in the marketing. Like, maybe it would have a chance, but realistically, no. It's not. It's not going to. But I, I, I was saying, it's a good thing that they have Assassin's Creed, because... If they have, if they keep trying to put out shit like this, the company is going to die. They're, Next they're... on the uh, being purchased by whoever owns Gearbox right now, Ubisoft. <laughs> it's, I mean, they they were they were fighting off being uh, bought out a few years ago, so it really wouldn't surprise me. It's not like big companies haven't failed before. Yeah, like Unity. Yeah, just like Unity. <laughs> Speaking of disasters. The next story that I wanted to bring up, and this is, we're going to go real quick here, it's more of a cautionary tale than anything, is that if you are familiar with the format of videos called WebP, which is, um, I don't remember what it stands for, but it's a portable uh, image format, I guess would be the right term for it. Yeah. And there is a known exploit where you could put malicious code into the heap of anything that downloads and runs a WebP, and then you could have it run your own malicious code just Oops. about every browser the mazer browsers that is chrome edge firefox opera vivaldi brave they all have security releases 
out for this. So make sure that if uh, some of your pastimes include going on websites that use WebP, you are up to date and safe. Uh, some what websites very... use WebP? Like, I can think of one, and I'm not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> well, um, I know that if you go in, like, uh, Google Images, and you just click on an image result, and, like, you right-click and hit Save Image As, uh, I believe most of the time those are WebPs. And, like, mm -hmm. uh, thumbnails for YouTube videos. And that is the number one reason why I usually just make a screenshot of like a, a clip it of something now, because I get so sick and tired of downloading something as a WebP. Nothing supports it. Yeah. Well, and, and go figure it's a format that was developed by Google. Like, of course they're going to overuse the shit out of it. Why wouldn't they just use PNGs? I don't know. I don't know. The thing that's specifically made for that one purpose that they're trying to fix. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like everything else Google does. They've got to make their own, their own form of it. They, they over-engineer it. Yeah. They love to... Oh, no, it's got a vulnerability. <laughs> they, they love to take what other people have done and make their own flavor of it so that you're forced to be trapped in, in their little world, which is why every browser is now Chromium. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So keep, keep your shit up to date, because this also happened recently with... Uh, uh, I think it was WebKit. There was a WebKit vulnerability which uh, WebKit, I believe, is an Apple uh, thing. But, like, it's open source. Everyone uses WebKit. Uh, even Chromium uses WebKit. But, yeah, it was another thing of the classic, you download an image. It, well, don't even, like, download it. You just look at an image in your browser, and then suddenly you've got malware. Uh, all of the, um, was it Osama bin Laden malware, I think? You remember that? I'm not familiar with that one by name, and I feel so like it, I would it, never forget that. It wasn't called the Osama bin Laden malware, but it was spread via an image. You, if you Google image searched Osama oh, bin Laden. I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was a very, very close to the top result, and they would infect your computer because it had some kind of malware payload in it. Uh, I'm really curious. Now, I remember learning about that in college. Yeah. And it's like, like, <laughs> it, we, we aren't supposed to still have those because of the advent of like sandboxed browsers. And yet here we are like the more complicated and sophisticated we get, the more vulnerable we are ultimately getting and it terms, you call that an attack surface. And basically the more convoluted you are, the more chances there are for something to sneak in between the gears, uh, metaphorically speaking. Yep. That's uh, uh, that's why why the Linux kernel keeps uh, getting more and more shit thrown at it as of late. Well, that and also it hasn't been a big target until more recently, because lots more people are moving to that. But hey, that's neither here nor there. Um, Good for Linux. Yeah, I could have I could have transitioned to the to the next article while I had mentioned Apple or walled gardens, but uh. Now we could do it talking about Unix-based systems. Yeah, which all Apple products are. Isn't that and cool? They don't pay... This has always fucking confused me. Normally, if you base your operating system off of the Unix kernel, you cannot privatize it. But Apple's like, hey, no, uh, it's it's only based off of it. So, uh, you're thinking of Linux. 
Sorry, yes, I said Unix. Um, Linux um, is the the privatized one. So, so the so, well, uh, so with uh, with Linux stuff, a lot of times uh, there the open source stuff that's involved with Linux will be released under the the GNU uh, license, and that requires you to like release the source code and all that. Uh, technically, I believe everything that Apple uses is uh, BSD based stuff. So it's under the BSD license and the BSD license just basically says, yeah, we don't give a fuck. Just do whatever. Just don't blame us if it breaks. Right. So, uh, yeah, anyway, Apple thing. Um, I was very unimpressed. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually watch it. Like I just forgot about it. And then I was like, oh yeah, new iPhones today. Guess I better read about it. And I was like, oh, look, it's the same fucking phone again. <laughs> Except it seems really unchanged. Like, like, I'm trying to sit down and actually compare and contrast other than it's more powerful than the previous supercomputer you kept in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, uh, I think they the, said 10% fa- faster than the previous gen. That's going to make like, my subway surfer run go so much better. Yeah. Like that's really nothing. Um, I guess they replaced the uh, outside. No, wait. No, maybe that was the. No, yeah, yeah. The pro models have a titanium frame instead of a steel frame or aluminum frame. Is it steel or aluminum? Well, let me check. Uh, it's aluminum. Right now, I think it's aluminum. I, I, it's not magnetic, so I'm going with aluminum. Uh, they're switching to titanium because that sounds cooler. Uh. The bezels are even slimmer, which is just fucking great because my favorite thing about my iPhone 14 Pro is the fact that sometimes whenever I reach onto the screen to tap something, the fatty part of my palm touches the bottom left corner just ever so slightly because there are no fucking bezels. Uh, but so Aroa, don't you want screen to screen, uh, 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 corner to corner screen? Don't you want screen to screen screen? <laughs> May make screen screen big screen bigger big screen big screen more pixels shove them in there. It if the thing fucking goes in my pocket. Sometimes I watch YouTube on it. it I don't want an iPad in my pocket. If I wanted an iPad, I'd buy an iPad. Anyway, uh, yeah, fucking the only thing that actually matters to any degree is now the mute switch is a button. It is a I customizable. Talk about USB-C. Oh well, does it really matter? I, I'm going to say yes. As, as an <laughs> IT person, I'm going to say definitely. Actually, uh, you know, yeah, uh, I, it, like it was. I guess, I guess I didn't think about it because everyone's known for the past year that it was going to have USB-C. Because what 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 are they going to do? Not sell the phone in Europe. Like <laughs> yeah, we just lost like a third of our profits. Oopsies, <laughs> we're not a trillion dollar company anymore. Right. Like they, they don't really have a choice. I, like I said, I didn't watch the event, so I don't know how they spun it. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sure they like, you know, it, it was our design. It's, <laughs> it's the revolutionary next step. And we were the ones to think of it. Europe yeah, like, had nothing to do with it. <laughs> like, like we decided ourselves with no other input that we thought, 
it would be a good idea for us to get on the same page and use USB-C just like the rest of the fucking planet. And uh, then the camera panned to the left and there was a, a British Bobby smacking a nightstick <laughs> making sure they stayed to the script. <laughs> so the USB-C port is cool. Um, like it, it, they finally upgraded the uh, port so that it's not just a USB 2.0 port anymore. Now it's... Uh, I want to say it's like USB 3.2 or something. It's, uh, it go fast, go fast. Now charge real quick. You can plug in. You might even call it a lightning cable. Yeah. Or, well, it would be Thunderbolt actually. Is Thunderbolt 3.2? I should know this. Yeah. I think so. Pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, Thunderbolt, uh, Thunderbolt like lets you fucking you can you can run a 4K monitor over that bitch. I think you can run like yeah. two 4K monitors over that bitch. 2.2 so, gigabyte per second. Yeah. So it Oh like, no, that's not 22. That's that's not 2.2. That's 22 gigabytes per second. That yeah. is fast. Yeah. Uh supposedly the USB-C port on the on the iPhone 15 Pro uh only supports 10 gigabit per second. So I guess so pretty damn fast, but yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a lot faster than the USB two port that has been on the iPhone since lightning was implemented. Uh, like you're not going to have a terabyte of mobile storage. You're most of your stuff's probably stored on a cloud anyways. Oh, I don't know, man. They, they make a lot of money off of, uh, forcing, well, not forcing, but incentivizing you to jump up from the, uh, the like 64 gig version up to the 512 gig version. A lot, a lot of people will buy that one terabyte iPhone for some stupid reason. Got to take a lot of photos of, I don't know. My anus. Uh, for some people. <laughs> they, they did up the Ram on the pro version. Uh, couldn't really tell you why other than, just to make sure that the phone lasts a bit longer because like Big number better i i jumped i jumped in my last upgrade from the uh iphone 10r which was basically the 11 but with a worse screen i believe uh up to the the 14 pro and uh I am very often surprised whenever apps have not closed in the background whenever I switch back to them. So I don't know really what benefit more RAM has other than just more RAM, more better. Uh, I'm not complaining. Just saying I I don't think anyone's going to really notice the difference. Uh, same I don't with think that's wi- going to be a selling point for anyone anyways. No. Uh, same with Wi-Fi 6E. Uh, I think that's yet another big, bigger bigger number better sounds cool um the only real differentiator is going to be that action button which is like i i i don't know how much of a difference that's going to make in most people's daily lives but then again the as much as i i have historically loved having a little mute switch at all times now that i have an apple watch like I ne- my phone never makes noise. I never want to toggle that switch, so I don't care. Um, I I think it's neat that they have it. I don't think it was neat enough to have it as a headline for your new phone. 
Well, which when... it kind of seems like they're trying to treat it like a selling point. Oh, definitely. It, and it's, it's, I, I assume partially it's because it was a feature that was previously only on the uh, Apple Watch Ultra, which is their super premium uh, Apple Watch for mountain climbers and deep sea divers and shit. So, like, oh shit, I'm underwater. I better not get a business call. You. <laughs> But it's, it's like, oh boy, now I have this super premium feature on my super premium phone that I paid too much for. Yeah, more uh, pedigree purchases. I mean, whatever. Which, uh, hey, premium feature uh, that I that I paid way too much for on my iPhone 14 Pro is also now on the basic iPhone. Uh, the iPhone 15 now has the Dynamic Island, which is... Uh, different way of doing a hole punch for camera so that we can make the screen slightly bigger with no real added value. Um, Cause yeah, it, it like, don't get me wrong. I think it's a neat way of getting around the problem of, we still have to have a front facing camera on uh, modern phones but also people want edge to edge screens and it, it like, it doesn't look as stupid as a notch, but at the same time, it's just like, it's whatever it, it would have been fine to just do it, do the fucking notch. In fact, if they would have done the notch anyway, I think it would have given more screen real estate overall, but whatever, it's fine. The 15s normal 15 has USB-C port just the same. Uh, like I said, you get the dynamic Island. Um, you also get, uh, the telephoto lens, which, uh, was previously only for the 14 or for the pro models. So now you, you get two times zoom. That was actually why I got the, the pro version of the 14 was because it, you get, uh, I think it's a three times zoom and that's optical zoom. Uh, and like, yeah, it's, it, it works. It's cool. I, it's I, impressive. I, like, like even thinking five years ago where we were just like with professional level cameras, we're certainly going leaps and bounds at that point. Yeah. But unless that's specifically your thing, it's probably overkill for your general purpose needs. It, it 100% is. Um, and it is also definitely just a way for Apple to get more money. Uh, out, yeah. of, out of stupid people like me. Um, and corporations who are already on the Apple plan. Yeah. Uh, which they did upgrade the camera in the 15 Pro Max. Uh, I think maybe for the 15 Pro, probably to some degree. Uh, probably like up the, the megapixels or whatnot. But the Pro Max now has five times optical zoom. And some kind of crazy advanced stabilization system with uh autofocus 3d sensor shift technology whatever the fuck that means i don't know and find the focus point and the the actual aperture moves instead of the device itself i i know what it, it like i know how it works it just i'm not impressed by it on a phone uh it, it, and also like i'm sorry but even my first gen pixel had better stabilization than my iPhone 14 pro like 
and all that was doing was just cr uh, cropping the video slightly and then just doing AI backed uh, stabilization of the, the footage by just it, like the same sort of thing you can do in After Effects very easily. Mm -hmm. It works the exact same way if you do like a uh, dynamic video focus or something like that. You usually see your video kind of looks like it's in a box until it's done being edited. Mm -hmm. it's... And it's, it's neat that they have it, but I feel like we had that like over five years ago. Well, we did. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like that my first gen pixel like did a fantastic job with, with image stabilization and my 14 pro now isn't that good. Like it still isn't that good. <laughs> uh, in fact, recording via Snapchat is, it offers better stabilization because they do that as opposed to what the vanilla iPhone camera does. Um, yeah. So nothing, nothing more than just some marginal upgrades with, uh, the 15 gen, you get a, a, a second generation ultra wideband chip, which I think all that really does is just make it so that you can like track your, your AirPods better if you lose them. Like it, that's, oh boy. And also the back is frosted glass now. Wow. It's great. Can't wait so to now put a case when it on falls it. falls from five feet, it'll shatter. I, I I will give uh I will give my fourteen credit. Um it is fairly scratch free in spite of having been dropped on albeit carpeted concrete floor, uh fairly fairly stiff floor a few times. So uh yeah, there there, there is that. But it has a lot of like hairline scratches all over the front of the screen for me placing it down on tables because I'm a I'm a bad iPhone owner I guess. Hey, that's uh, it's the it, it's a portable device. It's gonna get beat up just by existing. Yeah, I, I know it's not the same as the 14s's or whatever, but we go through lots of iPhones at work, which is a a very heavily you know people are running around with phones attached to their hips. They get banged on stuff. They get dropped. Even oh, yeah. in cases they break. Yeah. And um another another big upgrade is the uh, Apple Watch Series 9 with uh, the S9 chip and you can tell how fucking excited I am about it. Um I'm still using a, a Series 3 Apple Watch. I am considering upgrading finally just because of the fact that like with the way that things are going uh there's probably going to end up being some kind of hack for my series three, where somebody's going to be able to like break into my Apple account wirelessly because my watch hasn't been updated in three years. Uh, so might finally do that. There is a nifty new feature of the double tap gesture, uh, which is, Sort of uh, similar to a thing that uh, Android Wear had a long ass time ago, um, where you could interact with the watch without actually touching it. With uh, Android Wear, at least on the watch that I had, you could like twist your wrist to like scroll through notifications and bounce it up and down to interact with your notification. Uh, that was really handy. 
And now they have a basic form of that in the form of the double tap gesture where you pinch your fingers together a couple times and somehow the watch detects that and will perform an action based on on whatever is on screen at the time. So you could potentially like lift your wrist and uh by default, whenever you whenever you look at the Apple Watch and you have music playing, it opens the now playing thing. So if you do that and you do the double tap gesture, it would pause or unpause your music, for example. Um, so I think Practical. that's cool. Yeah, and it's yeah, it, it's like an actually cool, useful feature. Uh, there's some other bullshit that doesn't really matter. You get faster on-device Siri. That's great. I wish Siri didn't suck monkey fuck. I think that uh, Apple's recent investment in machine learning uh, that that is actually good might have something to do with why they've increased the storage by so very much. Because uh, a lot of people are confused as to why the Apple the newer Apple watches have so much internal storage these new ones start at like 64 gigs of internal storage. I I am betting that that has something to do with storing like machine learning models. That's just a guess, but I, at, the, at the very least the enhanced processing power that these things have, that would explain like at a certain point you need to justify having that like that powerful of a chip in your pocket. Yeah. And, and they, they've been pushing ever since they introduced the the bionic naming convention on their iPhone processors, they, they've been pushing on-device machine learning as being a big deal. And just with with the advent of ChatGPT and AI in general becoming way more accessible for the individual, they they would be stupid not to replace siri with something that doesn't absolutely suck uh, i'm better siri <laughs> i i i bet that within the next two or three years they're going to have an apple event probably at wwdc and it's gonna it's gonna be like and now we have a brand new siri and they're gonna like have a conversation with siri on stage and it's going to be like awkward and cringy it, yeah, it's going to be super cringe. It It's going to be something that would have been cool last year, like as in 2022. But hey, at least they finally got it and it runs all on your device, which is the big deal with Apple. So, And that is going to be where I wonder, like in five years from now, whether or not... A, I think that AI just personal assistants are going to boom. Everybody's going to have the homepage of their phone be, Hey, I need a, a 10 by 10 grid filled out with some information or whatever. Like you're not going to do menial labor. You're just going to yell at your phone and hope that it's good enough. Yep. But the question that comes with that is, do I send that query to a server somewhere and then have a supercomputer process it and spit it back out? Or is my hardware responsible for doing that? Apple definitely wants the latter. And I wonder if it's going to be good enough. Yeah. Certainly it's not going to get any less efficient as time goes on, but I, especially with AI, just, you want bigger models, but certainly the more, the more resources you have to learn from, the more effective it's going to be in the long haul. 
So limiting yourself in the way that everyone has their own personalized model, yeah, it might be a little more, okay, personalized, for lack of a better word, but it's also probably not going to be as efficient as it could be, just on the basis of computing power. Right. There, it, There's a reason that most of these models tend to run on cloud hardware and why it is possibly uh, furthering the problem with the drought on the West Coast. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, uh, it takes just... a lot of water to run Chat GPT. Yeah, which is weird to me. Uh, but I won't, I won't get into it because I don't really know a ton of details about it. It's just that's a, such a confusing statement. Um, but yeah, uh, they also announced Apple Watch Ultra two. Like, like I mentioned, uh, Apple Watch Ultra is their stupidly overpriced watch for stupid people with way too much money um i'm just i'm just gonna straight up say it. it's for dumb white people that go on dumb white uh fitness expeditions who are out in the middle of nowhere uh hiking or or deep sea diving or whatever and they still can't stand the idea of being away from their apple product for for that long so that or corpo's getting corpo perks yeah like yeah that's that's the other the other thing is people who just they want an apple watch and they make more money than any normal person should ever have and they're just gonna spend a thousand dollars on a stupid watch that only has uh 18 hours of battery life oh wait sorry it's the ultra so it has uh 22 hours of battery life my bad so um and then uh, you got new AirPods Pro. Wow, $250 for a pair of fucking earbuds. That's, Man, uh, that's a lot of money for some wireless headphones. Yeah. Like, as someone who has bought way too many pairs of wireless earbuds uh, because I've got a problem, um, I cannot imagine paying $250 for a pair of pair of wireless earbuds. Uh you can buy it, like if you insist on buying a super premium brand uh even uh Beats the, the another Apple brand you can get a pair of really nice Beats headphones for like $150 normally and they often go on sale for uh, about 100 bucks. And like they have all of the same noise canceling shit as the AirPods Pro. They interact with your iPhone just as efficiently. And you can use them on Android phones too if you want. Like it, it I don't I don't know. I I've considered getting normal AirPods purely for the very niche reason of I would like a pair of earbuds that I feel okay with leaving in my ears all day long. And Therefore, I want them to not have a very good seal on my ears. And the AirPods are routinely uh, not very good in terms of making a seal and, and sounding very good. So, like, that, that's why I've considered them. AirPods Pro, though? No, fuck that. That's just stupid. You're stupid if you buy them. So. I know people who bought the... So they originally bought the, the AirPods and they were furious that it didn't work with their computer at work as well. So <laughs> then they went out and bought AirPod Pros. We made them work. Uh, we got it so that it would switch between the phone and the device real easily. 
And by the end of that, it was like 450 bucks just to get some headphones. Uh, and meanwhile, I spent $25 for the earbuds that I use on a daily basis right now. And they are perfectly fine. And they have like, in practice, like 20 hours of active use battery life. Mm -hmm. So I spent maybe $40 on mine and I charge them once every three or four weeks and I use them just constantly at work. The The case charges them while they're not in use. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. And I, I was saying just even without putting them back in the case, they last me for like 20 hours. Uh, the the case itself, not only does the case hold enough to where, yeah, you can you can charge it like every couple of weeks at at the shortest interval, but like it also acts as a fucking uh, power pack. So like I could charge my phone from my from my earbud case if I want to. I've but. never tried to, but I think I could do the same. You, it's, you these are the bare minimums of convenience I expect without having an over hundred dollar price tag. Yeah. Which maybe maybe that's a thing now, now that everything on the Apple side is USB C. I did hear of somebody managed to like charge I think they charged their case with their iPhone. Which, like, seems kind of bass-ackwards, but okay. You can't really tell the electrons to flow from one side to the other. No. I, I, <laughs> I went to go not. charge my battery pack, but my battery pack was dying and my phone was charged. So my phone <laughs> charged my battery pack. <laughs> Such a... What a weird world we live in. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That was all the Apple stuff. I... I think so. Um, I don't really have anything else other to say other than Apple bad. Very yeah. uninspired, this entire presentation felt to me. Yeah, it, uh, it very much feels like Apple as a whole is running out of steam. Which, like, uh, on, on the one hand, it's kind of disappointing. Because, like, we're just so used to having cool new shiny thing every year. But... At some point, like, people are going to run out of ideas. And, like, where do you go? You can, it, The only thing that you can do eventually, at least I think, is completely overhaul everything and, like, make a brand new product. And you just, you can't do that with something like, like an iPhone. Cause, Apple's like, not going to take that gamble every, I, I wouldn't even say they would take a gamble like that every five years. No, I, I don't think... I think that they're like their move from doing the uh the like 30 pin connector over to lightning uh was like the biggest fucking gamble that they were they would have ever been willing to take on the iPhone. And With the exception of maybe their VR slash AR initiative. They're yeah, pretty by the book. Like you could you could set your clock by what Apple's gonna announce next year. Yeah. Like that that's that's pretty much like they're they're going to maintain status quo on everything and we're not going to get really much of anything that's super cool and exciting no matter how much people will it's it, it's a slight tangent but there's this weird phenomenon with apple rumors where people will just make mock-ups of apple products that don't exist and then 
news websites will report on these mock-ups as if it's like a potential thing that Apple could do. And I, I don't see that anywhere else, really. It's it's sort of akin to uh, back whenever like the 360 wasn't announced yet but it was planned like everyone knew it was going to happen and you saw like the xbox 2 and, and and it was like just this glowing orb thing or like or like the xbox 720 whenever that was going to be uh, whenever that was supposedly going to be a thing and you have these people making these bizarre renders of I consoles think it's funny that mention xbox with that i feel like i see that all the time with sony specifically like it's the next sony playstation the the screen has the the, the buttons on it and it's like no one who actually designs controllers would ever <laughs> feasibly want to hold something like this yeah like like i i guess yeah the the gaming world might be the only place where that that still happens but like it's every every few months whenever the the apple rumor mill starts going there will be people that are there well there'll be websites that are like look at this mock-up of this brand new ui for this apple system that isn't real and just some dude on twitter came up with this and why are we reporting on this uh, <laughs> like it, it, it's like yes this is something that apple could do but why would they why would they do that you could do that with anything Somebody could make a mock-up of a brand new Windows OS and it's it's Windows 12 and it's all controlled with your eyeballs and like, but no, that's not something they're going to do. Just shut up. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that was, that was my, that was my side rant. Um, you want to finish this with the Nintendo thing now? Yeah, and we're going to go through this real fast. Unless you hear a story that you, a, a game that I mentioned here that you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. In which case, feel free to cut me off, but uh, we're, we're going to blow through this real fast. So, Nintendo had their direct on uh, three days ago or so, on the 14th. And they, they talked about what is going to be coming around. I was expecting a lot more stuff to be announced for like Grimbus time, but it looks like they're targeting a lot of things for 2024, which I was very surprised about. Um, I'm not going to say the release dates on these unless it's something we start on. So first they announced Mario vs. Donkey Kong, which I think was originally a Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. So pay like $60 a... for a Game Boy Advance game. Well, it's it's a remake of, of a much beloved Game Boy Advance game that is essentially like Nintendo's version of Lemmings. And I remembered liking it a lot. I think they came out with like a sequel that people did not like. Um... So people are happy about that. I don't care. It it looks like not your average Mario. And if that's your thing, that's your thing. Definitely doesn't look like it'd be my thing. Next on the list is Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Speaking of Ubisoft not knowing what they're doing with their IPs. <laughs> I, I think this is a reimagining. Like, it doesn't look like the Prince of Persia that I remember. Uh, I didn't This really... Prince of Persia is a streamer on Twitch. Oh... Oh no. I, I didn't I didn't actually watch the whole presentation. I just skimmed through announcements and watched mm -hmm. stuff that I thought sounded cool. Uh I guess this is like a this is a two point five D game? Yeah, it looks like it. Okay. It looks okay. like it belongs on the Nintendo DS kind of. Oh. They're uh they're like going back to the serious roots of it of it being a more of a platformer and not an action game, I guess. 
which is probably a good call for it. The Prince of Persia game I played the most was Sands of Time on the Wii, I think. And I, I want to say that was the last game before they switched from, like, puzzly platformer to hit X to win. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I only played Sands of Time um, on PS2. And then, like, I know they had, like, Warrior Within and a couple others that were in that same line. But I think, yeah, they became more of, like, spectacle fighters than anything eventually. Jump on this platform, fight these guys. Jump on the next platform, fight the new guys. Oh, yeah. that one you have to press A instead of B to beat them. <laughs> Boring. Next on this list, Horizon Chase 2. Boring. Next on this list, Super Crazy Rhythm Castle. Which, uh, it seems I, like I watched, it was... I watched the trailer for it. It seems cool. It seems like, like I enjoy rhythm games. Sometimes it seems like it's trying to be like a Guitar Hero. Other times it seems like it's trying to be like an Elite Beats. I'm yeah, curious to hear more. So I didn't realize uh, this is from Konami. Oh, right on. So it has like some Konami songs in it. And I I haven't looked too deep into it, but Konami owns uh, like Beat Mania. Like Konami has a huge presence in the rhythm gaming world, but it's purely in arcades in Japan. So it would be really cool if they put more like beat mania stuff in the game, even if it's as DLC. So I'm uh, excited I, to I'm see interested. more of this title. Like it seems like uh, a, I, I want to see it be on something other than just the switch, which it probably will end up being eventually. Oh, definitely. If it's, if it's Konami, they want money. Yeah. And it, it seems like it has a lot of potential. I'm eager to see more. Next on this list is a game called Spy X Anya, Operation Memories, which I'm going to say, oh, I, I mentioned in the Discord we were talking about this and someone said they were interested in this. This is one of those games that actually looked interesting to me in that, uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. I'm not that into anime. Like, it, it's generally, like, too cringe for me. I'll and maybe the one... You. I, I know, I know. The one exception to that is Slice of Life anime, which sometimes can be the worst offender of that at all, but, like, <laughs> Nichijou's my shit, homie. Oh, yeah. And this seems like it's going to be that same level of adorable and wacky and zany, and other than the fact that it's obviously going to have to end sometime, it seems like it's going to be an adorable game that you want to get lost in. I have not watched Spy X Family which uh this is this is a spin-off of Spy X Family. And I don't know what that is. It, that's yeah, I'm the guessing name it's of an anime. anime. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a I I know very little about it. Uh just going off of this trailer, I'm going to assume that it is like if uh what was that what was that movie with like it was like Angelina Jolie and some other guy and they were both assassins and they were they had to kill each other and that that was the gimmick of the movie mr and mrs smith I think. yes i feel like it's that but instead it's just like it's their everyday life just having a good time and and also the two heads of the family happen to be spies okay uh, so it, like i i i am guessing that that's what it is i could be completely wrong wacky uh, hey, spy antics through the eyes of a child sounds like it would be hella fun though yeah, and, and watching the, the short trailer for this, it does actually look a lot cuter than I was expecting, and I might actually want to play this. I'm not going to lie. This looks really if, like like a cool, chill game. 
if this eventually shows up on my Steam Deck, I would not be surprised. And that yeah. comes out sometime in 2024. So I'm kind of like Super Crazy Rhythm Castle. I'm excited to hear more about this. Yeah. Next on the list, Super Mario RPG. That that hype already came and went. It's coming out November 17th. So I, I was even thinking I might play through the original again before that comes out. But that would probably burn away all my interest in actually playing the remake. Yeah, I would be careful with that. <laughs> with it being I remember such a long and, and arduous tedious, time investment. Tedious. Yeah. I remember Super Mario RPG on Super Nintendo being something I came home and played for like a couple of months straight. And some of that was probably, you know, I was a kid at the time. But I do remember this game being like a Final Fantasy style RPG. So you can't just mash A and win. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, next on this list, another code, Two Memories. I guess this is a game that originally came out on Wii or something like that. It I don't came know out on the original it. DS. Okay. I I actually, I, I didn't realize what this was when I first read the name. And I, I was just like, why does this character look so familiar? And look it up. And yeah, it was a point-and-click adventure game on the original DS. And it's just like, it, it is very much a point-and-click adventure game. Like, you just solve puzzles and poke stuff. And there's a lot of pre-rendered images and shit. Uh, it's really weird that this is getting a remake, remaster thing on, on Switch. But hey, that's cool. Were they popular in Japan, maybe? Um... I don't even know. Uh, looking at Wikipedia, it got like seven seven point fives. Uh, Famitsu gave it a thirty five out of forty. So yeah, probably probably more popular in Japan. I I'm not curious to see how it does, but I do have a feeling it's not going to do well. No. Next on this list, speaking of weird entries, is Princess Peach Showtime. Hey, Aroa. Doesn't this seem like it should have been a Kirby game? It does, doesn't it? Um, it's I a actually, 2D platformer, from what I could tell. It's like 2.5D, but yeah. And it, uh, one of the big themes around it is that Peach can get different costumes that give her different abilities. It's, uh, I feel like I've heard that mechanic somewhere before. It, it's it's uh, Peach and Wonder, Wonder World. If you don't get that joke, it's because it Belle and Wonder World. Ah. It, yeah. Um, but yeah, whenever I was watching the trailer, I was like, oh, Peach is Kirby now, huh? Like, is that, that's just what this is. It seems like it. (laughs) And like, um, I mean, it's cool. Glad that they're making a Princess Peach game that isn't, uh. She's the fourth player. (laughs) Well, it's also, (laughs) they aren't, uh, doing what they did with the DS game where, (laughs) where, uh, the gameplay was based around how emotionally unstable Peach is. Uh, I don't actually know anything about. Was it was it not a good game, or is it just there, not a good look it, for? It, it it was not. It wasn't a bad game. It was a two D platformer on DS called Super Princess Peach, but like it, the gameplay was built around you had to change what emotion Peach was having at any given time to give her different abilities. So like she could cry, and like that would that would make like 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 a flood of water show up, or. And, and, and like it was weird shit like that and it was just like oh look the girl in mario 
is emotional and that's her gimmick and it just seemed really weird one of the games of mental gymnastics that i like to play with myself sometimes is how did this game get greenlit and i imagine somebody went to nintendo and said i have a game based on emotion and then there was probably miyamoto and two other chairheads at a tribunal style table saying hmm put peach in it you're probably exactly right that's probably how this this princess peach thing went was somebody somebody was like I want to make a Kirby game and they were like but we already made a Kirby game. Uh but uh okay, what if we use Peach? Oh okay. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Let's do that. We'll have Peach and she'll just wear different outfits. It'll be fine. Don't think about it. Yeah. And the weird thing at least to me about that is it seems like Mario specifically does a really good job of just not giving a fuck about gender barriers like I I jokingly said before Peach is usually player 4. But I'm struggling to think of a Mario game where you can't at least play as Peach. That's not like Odyssey or whatever. Like, yeah. they're usually pretty good about representing both sexes. Yeah. And then it's weird that they turn around and say, oh, nope, this is a Peach-only game. Not weird. It's it's fine. It's it's not... It's, I don't have any problem with it, and I think it's a good call on the whole. But I think it's weird that this is her game. Like, it, it seems like of all the characters you could have had in this role, Peach is not the first one that comes to mind for me anyways. Yeah. It does, it does have the the feeling of like, we need a game that's geared towards girls. Uh, also, the Mario movie was successful, I guess. Yeah. I saw a lot of advertising being like, Peach can do anything, and she was kind of just a secondary character. <laughs> well, look, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta appeal to the to the female market somewhere along the line. They have money too, and we need it. Yeah. All right, I'm done talking about this. Next okay. on the list is Saga Emerald Beyond. Do you have anything to say about this? I don't. No. Next on this list is Tomb Raider, remakes of one through three. And you could even toggle between blocky booba mode and soft booba mode. Wow. Well, okay. Watching the footage of somebody play the original Tomb Raider 1 reminded me just how instinctively I hate those games. I <laughs> hated the original Tomb Raider on PlayStation played awful it was clunky yeah it it was just too much for my five-year-old mind like maybe i'd feel different about it now but probably not um yeah whenever i was a kid i hated them thought they looked ugly thought they felt like shit i loved the way that they handled textures even as a kid i could see what they were doing things would bounce around while you were looking at them they would stretch and i was like oh clever neat but yeah the gameplay sucked the it was always seemed like it was throttling itself. And here we are talking shit on like a 25 year old game. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to say other about it than I guess people like it. I didn't and... watch anything like I, I, I didn't watch with sound. Uh, so I don't know if they like, I'm assuming it still uses the same God awful controls. Cause yeah. like that would be the only thing that would make me want to play it would be if the controls were updated. No, I'm pretty sure it's still tank controls and everything. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't even care. Uh, speaking of not even caring, next on this list is the next Detective Pikachu game. Yeah, which I, I liked the movie. I guess uh-huh. I, I never, I don't even know what kind of gameplay Detective Pikachu is. I think it's just a visual novel. Yeah, it's it's a lot like a, an Ace Attorney. Okay, so it. 
yeah and, and like i don't even really know because i know that i know what the like the ending of the detective pikachu game is very similar to the ending of the movie so like i don't even know where the story goes from there i guess it's just like the further adventures of detective pikachu and the kid the but fact like... that pikachu isn't danny devito yeah feels like a missed opportunity yeah like that's the thing is like without detective pikachu actually like having a, a silly gravelly voice like i know that at least in the in the game it, he has a more fitting voice than uh what's his face in the movie Ronald ryan's yeah but it's still not what i wanted which is literally danny devito so i'm gonna continue not caring Next on this list is Trombone Champion. This is a game that I was already aware of, but had never seen anything of. And now that I've seen it, I want it. Yeah, I would highly recommend getting it on PC uh, as opposed to on Switch. Um, purely because of the mod scene. Because, sure. holy shit, some of the mods that have come out for Trombone Champ are ridiculously funny. Um, but also good. Like, I could finally they, play through the fire and the flames on trombone. Yeah, you could. Uh, you can also play uh, One Winged Angel, and like, there's a full-fledged music video to go along with it. That's fantastic. I'm going to probably, after this, when I'm painting, look up some more of that, because it had me in stitches just listening to it. Yeah, and like... the developers know. They know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like I didn't I didn't watch the, the Trombone Champ uh, segment of the Direct, uh, did they talk about the baboons? No, uh, they talked about motion controls and they showed someone playing it. And at first I was like, oh, the guy they got demoing, this sucks. And then they kept on sucking. I was like, oh, wait, no, that's the gimmick. Yeah, that's just part of the, part of the joke. Uh, there's also some shit about baboons. Um, I, I don't know how deep it goes, but yeah, it's, there's this weird ARG element with baboons. I will probably look into that very shortly after this podcast. All right, are you ready for lightning mode? Yeah, let's go. Next is Battle Crush. Who cares? Next is War Tales. Who cares? Next is Contra Operation Galuga. Who cares? Next, I'm going to pause for just a second. Unicorn Overlord. They are promising lots with this, and I don't think it's going to measure up. Oh, I, I didn't see this. What 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 is this? They're selling it. They they didn't say it in such words, but it looks like they want it to be what I imagine they wanted, like, Octopath Traveler or Triangle Strategy to be. Kind of like a, a love tale to old games, but also trying to reimagine it a little bit. Oh, this is like, this is Final Fantasy Tactics. I, I think it wants to be. I don't think it's going to. Yeah, like, looking at the screenshots, it is. it looks like it's, it's atlas's version of triangle strategy but final fantasy tactics slash which fire should that should be cool but nothing that i've seen of this makes me anything other than anime cringe awkward even even as somebody who can appreciate anime cringe nothing about this is appealing to me probably because i don't have much nostalgia for uh ps1 era rpgs yeah it's gonna take more than that i think Next on this list is Luigi's Mansion 2 HD. Let me, let me tell you, Luigi's Mansion 2, worst one in the series. 
It's it's like, hey, what if you had this fun game about exploring a mansion? Kind of like a, a tip of the hat to, to Biohazard slash Resident Evil. And what if we turned it into an arcade game? Next. F-099. Have you seen anything of this yet? I watched Vinny Vinesauce play it for about 20 minutes and went, yep, it's another 99 game, isn't it? And Is that the one where he immediately started going the wrong way? Yes. I saw that clip. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that's good. I love the original F-Zero. It's one of the like five games that I still have on my phone just because sometimes I like to play it. And I am so happy that it's getting some love. But I don't think a, a 99 Switch Online exclusive is the right... It's not what I was looking for. I'm glad that they're doing stuff with the IP. I'm glad they're acknowledging it. But this isn't what I wanted. Something tells me they have some kind of like retro toolkit uh, at Nintendo where they can like take assets from SNES games and just dump them into something else very yeah. easily. And then they took that and combine it with the 99 toolkit that they seem to have because this is the third 99 game, I think. They had Tetris. They had uh, Mario. Yeah, Mario, which I don't think was very good. Now they had this. Yeah. Which just, I mean, it's it's fun. At least it's uh, free, I, quote unquote. It's free if you're already paying for it. Yeah. Next on this list, I'm actually going to mention these two as a bundle, is Bandletail, a League of Legends story, and Song of Nunu, a League of Legends story. Hey, what are they doing over at Riot where they're making non-League of Legends games? Because right. I know that this is something they've been branching into. They have something else going on that's not a MOBA. But oh, now I they're mean... like doubling the amount of IPs that they have using the same League of Legends world. Yeah, I I don't really know. Because as soon as you put a League of Legends story, like you put League of Legends on something and I immediately go, oh, so don't participate in that. Yeah, um, I, it seems like it's came and went. Yeah, like I know why they're doing it. Like it's the same with that Arcane series on Netflix. Like they just they know that if they put the League of Legends label on there, then there's a built in audience for it, even if it has almost nothing to do with league of legends because let's let's be honest like there are fewer people who give a shit about the story in league of legends than there are people who give a shit about the story in world of warcraft or, yep, or like overwatch like find a hero you like make him fight a hero you don't like it's don't over the complicated other than that yeah and, and i don't even know what kind of games these are i'm i, I would I don't know, like just going off of the art that I saw, like I'm assuming it's like a like a 2.5D platform adventure or something like a Metroidvania or maybe it's like an RPG. Super Nintendo Lion King, it looks like, basically. OK, so, yeah, I don't I, I already us. already don't care because just on the basic fact that it's a League of Legends game and I doubly don't care because it's probably not going to be all that interesting. Uh, speaking of not all that interesting, there's only like two more that we're going to pause for. So next, uh, WarioWare Move It. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am so fucking down for that. Like WarioWare Squid Games. Yeah, and, and and like the Wii WarioWare was my favorite. Awesome. Yeah. It was great. It was absolutely phenomenal in, in every way. And so I am glad to see a return to form in that way after uh warrior wear uh two player mode 
was not all that great of a game. You know what I want to see them make? And I'm being 100% serious here. I want a WarioWare party. I want a game like Mario Party. And you, you could already probably already put these pieces together, but instead of a series of mini games, it's a series of micro games where, you know, for that series on the map or for that series of the mini games, you kind of know what control scheme you're going in before you start. Oh, I see. And, and well, then a game wrapped in a, a like a, a board kind of map. Yeah. I mean, that's very similar to what the uh, the previous one was the the one that was very multiplayer focused it's just they didn't have they didn't have any kind of wrapper around it and i i think um i don't know if if you brought it up or if i did whenever that came out but one of us i think did mention that really what it needed was some kind of way to split up the micro games because just doing long strings of micro games was a little draining. too draining, yeah. I hear that. I feel it. So I'm looking forward to WarioWare. Good on them for continuing to make that series. And it also sounds like it's still Charles Martinet. So I wonder if that was his last thing before no longer doing Mario. Oh, that is not him doing Wario. No? I'll no. have to hear it again. He's like, being on the vacation doesn't sound like a gift or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that is that is definitely not Charles Martinet. Oh, well. Uh, next on this list, Ayudin Chronicle, 100 Heroes. Boring. Oh, Eastward look, October. It's, it's, it's another fucking wannabe PS1 JRPG. What I said in the show notes is it seems like it's a, a Sony showcase. <laughs> just because it's it's a lot of anime bullshit this time. Uh, Eastward Octopia. Don't know what that is, but it's coming out holiday 2023. Wargroove 2 is getting a sequel. This time it has Skaven. Uh, the oh. joke there is, like, I, I guess the big tease on this is it has a rat folk race. And I really want somebody to just turn that trailer into a Warhammer shitpost. Especially with Skaven. That's the race that you want to do something like that with. That's like turning something into an orc post for 40k. Oh, Eastward is already on PC. Octopia is DLC for it. Oh. Alright. I don't know what Eastward... Is that a... I, you know, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, I don't Dave the Diver know. coming up for Switch. I hear a lot of people say they like Dave the Diver yeah, as far as game. like a game that I play to relax. Yeah, it's a very, very chill game. Mario Kart 8 is still getting DLC. Supposedly, this is the final wave, but I feel like I've heard that a couple times now. I, I was thinking the same thing. I guess that's why it's a wave. I don't know. <laughs> They're going to keep on making Mario Kart 8 DLC and people are just going to keep on buying. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hiccups. Next on this list is Among Us. Uh, they have a, a new map called The Fungal, which I, I'm in love with that name. Not enough yeah. to play Among Us, but God, that's a good name. It's a, it's a good name. Even and then I, finally I, on... Uh, is it like a mushroom jungle? I didn't watch yes, it. Yes, exactly. Okay. The Fungal. The, the, fung, the, the Fungal. It's a good name. It's a good game. Next on this list, finally on this list, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door is getting a graphics overhaul. It, uh, I believe it's like a full-on remake. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what they'll do changing mechanically-wise. Hopefully they don't touch anything, because I know people who adore Thousand Year Door. Yeah, I'm just glad that somebody said, hey, if we're not going to put out a GameCube Virtual Console shit, can we 
just remake the one game that everyone wants. It's like, like, yeah, we'll make Metroid Prime. No, 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 no. Uh, but no, it's, uh, well, they did that. Now I think about it. Yeah. But no, uh, I, I'm guilty of the fact that I never actually played through Thousand Year Door. Played through the original Paper Mario, fuckload. But I know that I... Thousand, Thousand Year Door is like the perfect refinement of that formula. I never played it either. By the time I had a GameCube, it was a little too late to get my hands on a copy. I'm very confused why they didn't choose to remake the first one. It seems like that would have the A, the bigger audience, and B, the bigger appeal to a new audience. Like, if nobody's ever played a Paper Mario game before, and they're like, oh, I'm going to get started on this remake of two. I genuinely think that it is, it is as I said, that... uh they are not going to do GameCube uh, emulation anytime soon. Probably because it's their 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 emulation team just ain't that good. I don't know. Uh, Either that or it's not feasible on the current hardware, which I've, I've seen the, the Switch play GameCube games before. It's fine. Yeah, def- Dolphin definitely runs just fine on there, so I don't know what their deal is, but... Uh, they already have the original Paper Mario on Virtual Console or whatever the fuck it's called. So I assume that it was just a matter of, well, everyone really, really likes the Thousand Year Door like, and they have a ton of nostalgia for it. We'll just remake it. Um, and it could also be uh, maybe a matter of like the... Cause, uh, the more recent uh, Paper Mario's have had like middling reviews because everyone wants it to go back to Thousand Year Doors formula. Uh, and there was also a lot of talking about how they weren't allowed to like use original character designs or like anything that wasn't like any NPC that they wanted to add. It had to be like a Koopa or a Toad. They couldn't have like cool, unique characters like they did in the original Paper Mario and in Thousand Year Door. You mean uh, the thing that people liked about those games? Yeah, the fact that there are all these wild, new, wacky characters that look nothing wacky, like likable, identifiable. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if maybe it's them sort of testing the water and seeing what the response is going to be. Kind of like why I think that F Zero Ninety Nine exists is that that it's a property that they already have. There's not going to be a ton of effort and money that they have to expend on putting it out there. And it lets them see like how active is the audience for this franchise. And like, I think the paper Mario thing, they know that there's enough out there where they're going to make a return on it. Whereas the F zero thing, they probably didn't really know. So that's why they went with the much cheaper option there. But yeah, I, I I do wonder if maybe it's them seeing what the response is going to be and like that's going to determine the future of that franchise, whether or not they maybe step back and go, okay, you can be a little more creative with the next Paper Mario game. We could only hope. Yeah. That's that's it. That That was all they talked about. I am very surprised that they weren't like, and here's our big announcements for, for Crimbus of this year. Go get your pre-orders in. It seems like they're giving it a miss this year. I 
am betting that that is because they were probably initially planning on the Switch 2 being ready by now. Mm, yeah, and that would make sense. They have some kind of setbacks that are keeping that from happening. Uh, whether I know that's supply chain or whatever. I know supposedly some developers have gotten their hands on the dev kits. I don't have anything that I could say without like, you know, spoiling. Uh, I, I just don't have any source for that off the top of my head. But supposedly there's, uh, it, it's going to be comparable to PS5 or Xbox One. And this is the same thing as like, like you were saying earlier, before anyone knew what the 360 was, everyone was just saying anything about it. But that certainly would be a realistic expectation for, I'm going to say a next gen, but what will be the next current gen consoles. Yeah, I could, I would, I would probably see it more realistic, realistically being closer to like uh PS4 or maybe like PS4 pro sort That's of level. Fine. If it's but still yeah. going to be a handheld console, that is more than fine. Yeah. I, I think it's it, like, you could probably just look at whatever the just under best uh, NVIDIA portable chip that exists is. And that'll probably be what they use because they're just they're like, they've had so much success with the switch and with NVIDIA's SOC on, on that platform that I don't know why they would change anything. And I don't think they'd go with an AMD uh, instead, just because AMD doesn't know how to do power efficiency with their SOCs. Part of me is a little confused why other developers aren't hopping on this boat. Like, look at the success of the Steam Deck and the success of the Switch. It seems like a no-brainer. I think that might be what Sony's doing with their weird tablet thing, is another, like, testing the waters to see, like, how many people really want something where they can play games while laying in bed or whatever. And I don't think it's going to work out very well because that's not really what the steam deck is for or the switch. In my opinion, I think it's more of a, of a thing. It like it, it sacrifices the true portability in, in that it's tied to streaming. So, but I, I, yeah, I do wonder why there hasn't been more of a push in that direction. And maybe Microsoft will do that because Microsoft does have its own hardware division and like they have the surface shit. I could really see them like just kind of taking the surface and slapping an Xbox controller on the sides of it and calling that a portable console. It's going to be interesting to seeing what gets shoved into our faces in like the next five years. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think of the name of it. There's that Game Boy that's got like the the turn style on it, like the the lever. You oh, know what I'm that about? the thing like the display is like e paper or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the the crank not only can be used to power the device, but also is an input device for games on it. It's weird, but I know a lot of people. Like, I mostly know people who get sent like review copies of hardware who are like, "Yeah, this is pretty dang neat." It's the only reason I bring it up is because even the not powerful handhelds, there's a place for them in the the market still. Yeah. Well, it's because you don't have to, you don't have to devote as much, I guess, like physical real estate to those things. And you don't have to like hook them up to your TV. They're, they're not going to have as fleshed out of a 
of a big ecosystem to devote yourself to. And I feel like the the hardware developers too just get to have more freedom with that sort of thing. And on that note, uh, we're we're done. This has been a long ass podcast. Yeah, longer than I wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah, same here. But you know, so uh, I'll, I'll give you the rest of your afternoon back. Thank you for joining me, Aroa the Aroa McRoa. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm I'm sorry that it took this long. It's okay. I ain't doing shit today, anyways. So uh, tune in next week when I think Nathan is back. He's back Finally. from the butt surgery. Fucking fucking butt boy. Slacker, get back to work. Good thing he has friends like us. Yeah. Friends. <laughs>